Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. This is episode 37. In the light of my life, Connie is going to tell us all about Edward Edwards. I It was hard for me when I was writing this because, one, he's such a disgusting piece of work, but Edward Edwards is so funny to me. Sounds like a like a cartoon dog. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Or like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> yes. 90s kids, what's up? <laughs> cartoon, cartoon. <laughs> okay, we'll get right into it so people don't talk about us babbling. <laughs> but Charles Edward Myers, that's his real name. His birth name is given name. He is the man with two birth dates. There's literally two birthdays listed for him. Like not like in like official document birthdays. Not just like, oh, I found this on Wikipedia. Maybe it's right. Um, he used May 30th, 1928 for some of his information. And it's my June, birthday. I know. I know. I saw that. I was like, yeah. Jim and I, that actually makes sense for everything. Also for the dual nature of his name. Mm-hmm. Both sides of his Jim and I. Sorry, his- go ahead. <laughs> and there's also like official documents where June 14th, 1933 is. So it's not like a different month. It's like five years different. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got you. So he uses the 1933 date in his autobiography that he would later write because like, why not? And we'll talk about it later. But he was also like legitimately a professional con man. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what his birthday is, but I digress. He was born to Lillian Myers and his father is not listed on any of his information or any documents. Um, He was born in Akron, Ohio. So we're keeping it kind of close to Midwest stuff again today. Not much can be said about life with his mom. Um, She actually committed suicide in 1938 by shooting herself in the stomach in front of him. Oh, man. Yeah. Which he left. Yeah. He later would say, like, that's what started him, like, on the path that he was on. Yeah, no doubt. I instantly thought of the movie Dexter. Did you, or the TV show Dexter? I was like, is there a movie? the tv show my bad i have not watched dexter since it happened so it's been you know like 15 years it's coming back i am excited i will rewatch it probably. i hope it's gonna redeem itself so after his mom committed suicide he was adopted and his name was changed to edward wayne edwards and he was adopted by fred and mary ethel edwards which to which i say why for what not, for what you adopt this boy and you still keep his name edward edwards i think what about was that name before charles or something charles yeah that's like the same that is yeah those names yeah, are like, of equivalent you could have named him charles wayne edwards but instead you named him eddie edwards had to give him a new identity <laughs> shortly after he was adopted his mom his adopted mom mary ethel was told that she had multiple sclerosis and because his father had a pretty like significant drinking problem he was sent to an orphanage in parma ohio sheesh yeah like as we always say you can feel bad for the kids because it's it's tough like i can't it's a lot of um it's almost yeah it's almost never just like they had two loving parents and And they lived happily and the kid was crazy no not we wouldn't we wouldn't be here if that was we wouldn't be here he was sent to the parmadale catholic orphanage in 1940 where he says that he was physically emotional and emotionally abused by the nuns that ran the place by 1946 he had 
had like ran away from the orphanage. And in 1946, he was caught vandalizing a church and burning a Bible, which hmm, I wonder why he has such a horrible taste with religion if he was at a Catholic orphanage and they were beating him and all of the other horrible things. He was sent to a reform school in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So really just sending this kid all over the place. Yeah. And it's sad. Like that part of it's very sad. Once again, he says like in his book that he was sexually, physically and emotionally abused during his time there. Following his time at the reform school, he made his way back to Akron where he made the best of his time and newly found reformation by committing a bunch of burglaries. Of course, he was caught. And instead of going to reform school, this time he was sent to a juvenile detention center. While he was there, Edward Edwards was diagnosed as a sadomasochist with a deep dislike for older people, which completely makes sense given his upbringing, his abandonment, and the abuse he received. Like older elderly people or just like adults? You know, it doesn't say, but like my thought would probably be like adults because he doesn't have like, I didn't see like, I mean, it was his, his mom had him when she was 17. So like she wasn't very young when he died. So I didn't see like, unless the nuns and like the people, like the juvenile detention centers, unless they were like elderly, then I would assume it was just like adult figures. Okay. In 1950, according to him, he says that he lied about his age to join the Marines, which like I said, he was a liar. He was a con man, but that makes sense because if he we use the 1933 birthday he was 17 at the time but if we use the 1928 birthday he was 22 and going forward this is why like the birthday fiasco is like why I'm use I'll use a lot of dates instead of like saying his age because otherwise I'm gonna be like 17 slash 22 and that gets redundant so he was sent to Paris Island South Carolina for boot camp on June 22nd 1950 and honestly during that time it's hot so hot humid and there's these little bugs that bite you they're called sand gnats and knowing that he was there during that time period I was a little like good because I know he was miserable because I lived in Paris Island during that time and it was awful this is the worst I was actually pregnant for my middle son in the middle sounds of awful sand gnats yeah they have a baseball team named after them ew is that weird don't disparage baseball with naming it after bugs his time in the marines didn't last long and by September of 1950, so just a few months later, he went AWOL because he couldn't take the emotional abuse that he was receiving. People were telling him what to do. Yes. Okay, got it. Please see subtext. <laughs> he was being, he had to have a schedule. Um. Once he went AWOL, he started portraying himself as a CIA agent. <laughs> All right, we're good. You know, go bigger, go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like telling people you're a record executive. I've never done that in my life. In 1952, after running around the United States being a con man, robbing people, he was arrested for impersonating an officer and was sent to a federal reformatory in Chillicothe, Ohio, which is like the armpit of Ohio. It's like down towards Kentucky. Like Kentucky is right across the Ohio River from Chillicothe. It's it's a whole different area down there. A lot of like uh, mountains. It's like mountains and backwoods and just 
real different. Like a hairy armpit. Yeah, a hairy armpit. <laughs> Definitely. So, and apparently he was released after serving about a year. Um, fun fact, he claims during this time he was locked up with Charles Manson because Charles Manson was arrested during this time. I read that Charles Manson was in Illinois being held at the time, but I mean, I guess there could have been because he, Manson is from Cincinnati. So that part would make sense. So like I said, after serving about a year, this is going to become like a trend for him. He didn't let a little incarceration keep him down because while he was just being held on charges, he escaped jail and he fled to Portland, Oregon. What did he do immediately after he got to Oregon? Burglaries. Yep. (laughs) Armed robberies all over the place. He was once again arrested the following year in Montana. This is how far he is literally, I'm not like exaggerating, all over the country. And you know, I thought there was like 10 or 15 people that lived in Montana at this time. So for them to find him there, like impressive. Is he uh, like hopping trains? How's he getting? No, he has like a car. He's a con man. Uh, like he cons people oh, I guess out of it money. Is the 50s, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your brain is on Carl Panzram. I know hopping. it is. It absolutely is. Yep. I'm drawing the, <laughs> the lines there. Yep. He was sentenced to three years in prison and five years probation. But in 1960s, which is like a year in, he's like, nah. I'm done. And he escaped prison again. (laughs) But he gets caught. But while he was in prison, he was being questioned in addition to the burglaries for the murders of a local couple. Um, Their names were Larry Payton and Beverly Allen, but they never had any concrete evidence. So that was kind of just like brushed away. On November 10th, 1961, Edwards was added to the FBI's 10 most wanted, which if you're a listener from a different country or you're not familiar with it, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's the 10 most wanted people to the FBI. They have this, I'm pretty sure they still have the list. It's just, you know, criminals they haven't apprehended and they're like the worst of the worst and apparently all of his robbery and con mans i was gonna say like that seems very intense that he's on the most wanted list and i haven't he keeps even heard escaping. a murder yet yeah he keeps escaping prison so i think all right flight risk flight risk in january of 1962 he was arrested again this time in atlanta georgia again all over the damn country and he was sentenced to 16 years at leavenworth federal penitentiary which again our patreon (laughs) listeners are getting the episode of we covered carl panzeram and panzeram sorry that's a weird word to say so many similarities yeah when i was researching i was like had to step back and forth i'm like I'm doing these two at once. <laughs> They're the same. Too much. Only not, not, yeah. Only in different decades. But wait, you're, but wait, there's more because you're going to like be like, whoa. So what, when he was arrested though, he was arrested with a woman named Marlene. Um, He had, I guess, married her when he, around the time he escaped from the Portland, Oregon jail. She was also committing these robberies with him. Well, Bonnie and Clyde action. But during his time at Leavenworth, he quote, met a prison guard who turned his life around again like yeah yeah that's and he became a reformed man he was transferred to the lewisburg federal prison in pennsylvania and he was paroled after only serving five years of his 16 year sentence good for him yeah in prison he was a model citizen he took classes out in the community once he was transferred he learned first aid he was preparing for life on the outside remember like he's a con man i was i'm like we're only 15 minutes in here there's no way (laughs) there's no way that he's just a reformed man he's like 
I'm cured. I was diagnosed as a sadomasochist, but cured. Thank you, prison. Thank you, American Thank justice you. system. He became a motivational speaker. He spoke all over the country. He was on TV shows on how to reform your life. How one man who was once an armed robber, con man, could turn his life around to be the head of a family. He's straight up telling them that he was a con man. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I was a con man, but let Not me con anymore. you. Not anymore. <laughs> reform. He wrote a book called Metamorphosis of a Criminal. Yes. Okay. Metamorphosis. Like a butterfly. It was an autobiography like all about his life of crime, what led him to commit the crimes, what he thought was wrong. Once again, he remarried. He just like get rid of these wives like crazy. Um, To the public, it looked like he really had turned his life around. His wife, Kay Hederly, supported him. She helped him write his book. She was a doting wife. You know, she supported him during his metamorphosis. His words, not mine. He was on TV literally telling people how to turn their lives around. He was a doting father to his three kids, loving husband. Him and his wife were foster parents, like putting on the whole, the, really, they're playing the long game. You go big or go home. It seems like his life morals there. So you guys are like, one, he's you're like, you're not going to just talk about a con man on this true crime podcast. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm interested. You've gotten my attention. I want to know what else happens here. So five years after the release of his book, 21-year-old William Lavaco and his 18-year-old girlfriend, Judy Straub were reported missing the first week of August um, in Sterling, Ohio in 1977. Their bodies were found on August 8th, 1977. Both died from single shotgun wounds to the neck. Oof. Ooh, to yes. the neck. Oof. The neck. Dang. All of their valuables were left in the car, so the police were like, robbery is definitely not a motive because they had like $400 worth of valuables, which is in the 70s. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it was money. Case went cold. There was um, I guess uh, Judy had seen been seeing other people besides William so they thought maybe it was something like that that had gone wrong like not like murder suicide but like someone Love triangle else. Yeah. situation okay three years later Edwards had found a job as a handyman at a re- reception hall in Jefferson County Wisconsin again around August 9th so ritualistic Timothy Hack and his girlfriend Kelly Drew disappeared after last being seen at the reception hall they had planned to meet friends after the reception but they never showed Tim's car, his wallet, his jacket and checkbook. All of these things were locked in the car and the car was left at the reception hall. On October 9th, so like 70 days later, Timothy was found strangled to death and the next day, Kelly's body was found. She was stabbed many times she was sexually assaulted. It's reported that even her clothes and her underwear had been shredded. Both of them were only 19 years old. Edwards was questioned because he had returned to work and he had a big cut on his face and they just, the the words were literally, he was harmlessly questioned. There's no evidence. So they just let him go because he's a con man and he's made his <laughs> he's living good at lying. People. Exactly. By 1982, he was on the move again. This time he was in Pennsylvania where he was arrested because he burnt down a rental house and he was sentenced to two more years. So now the secret's out like, wait, he's not a reformed. He's not reformed. <laughs> not reformed for nothing. Following his release from prison, there's not much known about what what was going on with him. I'm sure he wasn't traveling the country, murdering people, 
being a con man, I'm sure he was like very upstanding. But by 1996, he was back on the radar because he had a foster son who he adopted. Um, According to everyone, they were very cr- close. Everyone thought like he loved him like it was he was his own. Um, 25-year-old Danny Boy Edward, that is his, Danny Boy is his real name. He was found murdered with two shotgun wounds to the face, buried in a shallow grave after being reported a wall from the army. Edwards was questioning his murder because right before it, he took out a $250,000 insurance policy on him, right? Like, you're like, everything is right here. Like, why are you not? Why don't you see this? Those other people that disappeared from his job that died from a shotgun wound, mm-hmm. his, his adopted son, who was miraculous. He was questioned, but <laughs> ah. let go. Once again, like, he disappears. It wasn't until March of 2009 when an NBC special about the Tim and Kelly cold case caught someone's attention. That person thought, holy crap, I think I really know who did this. That person was April Blasio. She was Edward Edwards' 40-year-old oldest daughter. She All called right. her siblings. They started discussing like strange things that had gone on in their childhood. She recalled the night that Tim and Kelly disappeared, how he came home with a cut on his face and Edwards immediately told them to start packing everything because they were moving. And it was something he made them do every six months to a year. He made her and her siblings watch specials on the Zodiac Killer. He was obsessed with the FBI. He kept newspaper clippings from different murders. So she reached out to the assigned detective. His name was Chad Garcia. And over the phone, she tells him all this. She's like, my dad has a book. He talks about crimes that he's committed. So he flies to Ohio, collects a DNA sample, which, ding, 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 was a familial match to the semen that was found on Kelly's pants. On July 30th, Edward Wayne Edwards was arrested in Louisville, Kentucky. He was in his late 70s. He was haggard. He got to prison. He was like half dead already. But when he gets there, he not only confesses to Tim and Kelly's murders, but also adopted son Danny Boy, as well as William Lavaco and Judy Straub. He pled guilty to all of the murders except for Danny Boy. He would not plead guilty to that one, even though he admitted that he did it. Um, His daughter, April, said that she remembers she was eight when William Lavaco and Judy Straub were murdered. He took them on a walk through the woods right before their bodies were found. Ew. Like in that same area, right? So for four of the murders, he was sentenced to life without prison, which what life? he was sentenced to death by lethal injection for Danny Boy's murder. But unfortunately for his victims' families, they never got the satisfaction of that because he died from natural causes because he was like morbidly obese and had diabetes and he hadn't exercised since he was in the Marines. So he died on April. April 7th, 2011. And you're like, Connie, this has kind of been 25 minutes. I'm sure you have more. And I do. I don't disappoint. So honestly, it's not even the murders that I talked about that are crazy because they're horrible. But former detective John A. Cameron, he wrote a book called It Was Always Me. Edward Edwards, the most prolific serial killer never heard of. And it is good. Some of it's a little far-fetched. So I'm gonna need you guys to hang with me. But 
I want to read to you and discuss a few. I'm going to go through this list of murders that this man is convinced that Edward Edwards committed. So okay. Okay. 19, 1945, he was like six. This is how early he thinks he started. Okay. 43-year-old yeah. Josephine Ross, she was stabbed. Her throat was slit. She was placed in a bathtub. Um, her body had been washed. Tape was placed on the wounds of the body. Uh, and again, in 1945, Frances Brown, she had been shot to the head. She was stabbed, placed in a bathtub, body washed, adhesive tape placed on wounds. 1946, 12-year-old, maybe 12-year-old at the time, there were two women that looked like his mother that were murdered. Next victim, same year, was a six-year-old girl. Well, and I say this according to this detective. Um, 1947, the Black Dahlia. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. 1951, Romeo Boudry. He was shot four times in the face, in the neck, and the chest. He right. Edward writes about the robbery of this man in his book. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, 1954 in Colorado, Dorothy Gay Howard, she was 19. 1954 again, July 4th, uh, Marilyn Shepard, she was 30. 1954 again. Um, this is where it gets like real, kind of like, whoa, what the hell? Um, a letter was sent to Dr. Sam Shepard's dad claiming that he won't murder his son if the ransom of $25,000 is paid. Doesn't happen. Um, he murders Dr. Sam Shepard, or allegedly. 1954, another eight-year-old kid, 1955. In the book, he talks about how, in his book, he talks about how he like fled to San Francisco and like he had assumed a new name. That same time, um, a 14-year-old Stephanie Brown was murdered. Uh, 1955, a 22-year-old Donna Sue Davis um, was abducted and murdered. More like cryptograms start coming from some of these murders. Do you know where I'm going with this? Zodiac. 1955. Five, uh, 17-year-old pregnant, uh, Bernardo. In his book, he tells it like it was a story, this murder, like he talks about it. Not like what happened to her was described in the book, but the names were changed, if that makes sense. So he's okay. using yeah. it like figuratively. 1955, three teens um, in Chicago. 1955 again in Idaho, three more teens. In 1955 in Iowa, the police chief of Rennell, wife and seven-year-old child was lit on fire. Oof. Um, Edwards had written about a Sergeant Waldo in his book. Again, he writes about a lot of these situations. He just changes the name. Who um, had confronted him about kidnapping women, and that's what happened to him. 1955, 19-year-old Carolyn Nevins, she was shot. 1956, 16-year-old, and then an 18-year-old Air Force member, uh, Dwayne Bogle. They were both executed on their knees on Lover's Lane. Um, In his book, he described people begging for their lives. In 1968, the Robinson family murders. Those are like another like really big one. It's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and then in 1968 is when the Zodiac killings start. And his daughter is convinced that he was the Zodiac killer. She said that when they would watch, he would make them watch shows about it. And he would say, that's not how it was done. That's not how they did it. But again, he is a con man. Yeah. But she said that he loved puzzles. He loved cryptographs. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I think, okay, the six-year-old thing, him being six and murdering full-grown women and then being cleaned in the bathtub, I don't Yeah, I don't think that was them either. Not with you on that one. Uh, What I, okay, so the Zodiac Killer, when his 
cryptographs were solved, they're all spelled really poorly, but this guy wrote a book, right? Yes, but I'll mention the spellings in just a second because I want to remind you, his wife helped him write the book. Oh, right. You did say that. Okay. Yeah. So in the 1980s, um, and it's a case that we'll cover probably on our Patreon because it's such a big case, um, the Atlanta child murders. Yeah. He was in the area in that time. Allegedly, he is also responsible. 1981, Adam Walsh. I was like, uh, okay. I don't, I don't know so much about, I don't, I mean, I know so much about the case, but I don't believe that. The whole, the whole premise behind this book is he is a con man and he frames people. And you, I really recommend reading it because it goes into like excruciating detail about how he did it and the scenarios come like around it. If I went into everyone, we'd be here until next Tuesday. Um, in 1987, uh, Peggy Hetrick, this was a really big one because the way she was displayed was horrific like she had her nipple cut off her uh, trigger warning her vagina was excised oh my god a 15 year old was charged with that murder no way mm-hmm. no way yeah i mean maybe but yeah. i that's also it. on my list of cases to cover Oof. um give that and- one a minute i don't want to listen to it yet no, <laughs> no. <laughs> the west memphis three. Oh, really yes and the only like this is the reason because his daughter daughter talked about how he was always like puzzles and rituals a lot of the murder like he committed a lot of murders on so april was born on april 1st a lot of murders around her birthday there's the august murders there's significant i mean there's the dates are significant in his life yeah and there's three or four where it's sets of three boys being murdered where they're spaced far enough apart that i guess it could be the same like it could be someone different than this doing all three of them, but it's like pretty, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I buy some of these. I think that, yeah, absolutely. That could have happened. John Benet Ramsey. You may remember Edward Edwards um, because he was the serial killer who openly was like, I did this. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know that I believe that. Mm-mm. No. Because without the like, risk of. The thing is, it sounds like he wants attention, right? He does. He, in 2002, he made a website all about the Black Dahlia and was like, this is how I did it. I mean, of course, it wasn't like at, under his name. It was just mm-hmm. like, I am the Black Dahlia murderer, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're like and whatever. Uh, and obviously, he loved, I mean, he... He wrote the book. Li- he did. He's a motivational speaker. He's He loves that attention. And, hmm, interesting. I also don't think he's the Black Dahlia murderer because I think it was the doctor guy, but... <laughs> and he was like 13 yeah. or 8. Yeah, so. He was 8 when they have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, then I definitely don't think that was him. Um, Martha Moxley. That's another really big one. Um, that one was big because two of the, like the brothers who were like questioned and one of them who was like charged or like, it, you know, I think his stuff got overturned. I'll have to like look again, but they were Kennedy cousins. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. And that's also one that we'll cover at some point. Uh, Chandra Levy, Lacey Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> and there are probably 30 other murders that police think like, hey, he was in the area. Maybe they think he could have been responsible for over 100 people's death. So. But he only admitted to these like two very specific mm-hmm. like and they were because couples. They had, and I think it's because they had DNA evidence that tied him to there. And by it, then he was like, eh. And while he was in prison, that's when he because he was in prison when he was like, I killed John Bonet. There yeah. was like a whole thing about it. Like there was TV, like the, the news stations were covering it because he was like, you know, giving details and everything. But 
Meg and I know who we think did it. <laughs> I do not think it was Edward Edwards. I don't think it was Edward Edwards. I um, think he wants the infamy that goes along with being the yeah, most prolific serial killer. Yeah, he wants to be infamous. Killer. Well, congratulations. You are definitely infamous, Edward Edwards. Um, I just think it's dope that his daughter is the one that was like, oh, yeah, my dad did this. Confident that this was my dad. But that makes me think. And she okay, was right. Yeah, and that's why I think, I don't want to say think, that is why I know there are more than those five murders because he moved them every six months to a year randomly yeah. and she said it would always he would come home and just be like pack your stuff we're moving so and with his the k woman the one that helped him write the book was she always moving as well yeah she stayed with him they were married until he got arrested oh really so she yeah did, she did divorce him after he got arrested yes, in 2000 like i don't know if she actually like i think Who it was like along she with left that? him who's like yeah okay we're moving again that's crazy i mean Especially if he was as convincing kids. as a con man yeah that's being true. like not to like i mean obviously it wasn't her fault i just am interested when you know if you have three kids and you're trying to raise them sanely and you're like every six months we have to move that seems sketch but april said that uh edwards was very like verbally and emotionally abusive to her mom so you know sometimes like you just maybe she just didn't know yeah like she didn't know yeah and some people like if if like by moving they get like a fresh start and he's like you know being nicer i can see where you want those like nice moments like you want those maybe this will maybe this will be the move that helps Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah and now i have to read the book thanks a lot yeah add it to the (laughs) list because it is it's one of those a lot of it's because he's very matter of fact and he was like this is when edwards kidnaps lacey peterson and this is how he does it and this is why he does it it's very convincing some of the stuff i'm like okay i think you're reaching i do agree that he has way more murders than what he was charged for um there are a lot of cold cases that are like tied to him that he's dead now so there's you know it's kind of just yeah. like they still have dna though they could test him have they are they like actively testing i think so yeah okay um paramount plus did uh like a six-part series on him and it's pretty gnarly it goes into a lot more detail than this like i said i could be here all day a lot a good chunk of his life is just how much of a con man he was and it's just what were some of his cons you, he like, would just pretend to be he would assume different names assume different jobs when he was there he would con people out of their money like he was like that a type guy you know talk like this just a sleazy matilda matilda's dad type he he was matilda's dad and he was rolling your miles backwards on your car i think of ted ted bundy in regards to like like, how like the personality how he people described him as charming and like how he would like pretend you know like pretend to be her or be like oh yeah i'm a student here i do this yeah okay i get it and I believe you. Like, I, obviously, I believe that he was a con man and he was it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Over a hundred. Some of those are pretty high profile, which makes me go, maybe not. Yeah, actually, pretty much any high profile case, this that hasn't is, been solved. Or they that has been solved. He goes into a whole, there's like 10, 15 pages of all of the people who have been wrongfully convicted because of him. And he goes into detail about it. Like how how um, Edwards, Edwards was responsible. Been, for, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I would like to hear. Yeah, I would like to read more about that. But it does make like the part of me that's like, man, maybe I'm, like, again, some of the really high profile ones. I'm like, nah, son, yeah. I don't buy that. You're just reaching. But the ones like the even like the West Memphis three, like that's once you read it and you're like, well, maybe like, I don't know. Just cast that shadow of a doubt, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, Smith and Memphis three. Obviously, they weren't guilty, so someone has to be. I the Zodiac, him being the Zodiac. Oh, so the whole thing about the I was talking to you about like the spelling. Oh, yeah. Um, there was back in the. 50s or 60s the that um dr sam shepherd's dad got that ransom note for the twenty five thousand dollars. he spelled business b-u-s-n-e-s-s which if anyone knows the john benet ramsey case business was spelled wrong spelled the exact same way did he know the ramses how did he know the exact amount of the bonus you know the christmas bonus yeah i just it's just like little things like that where you're like well shit maybe I think it's most likely he was the serial or the Zodiac killer, and I think that's a hill I will die on. That he was the Zodiac killer? Mm-hmm. Is that pretty... I mean, other than this book, do you feel like more people agree with it after they've read it? Yeah. And listening to his daughter talk about it, because usually it's like, no, my dad is not this. Like, you know, you don't want that stigma attached to you. Mm-hmm. She is like, this is exactly why I believe like he would leave clues and stuff for them and there was one of the Zodiac ones that said when they broke the cipher it Mm -hmm. says something about Edward E. I will post it on our Instagram. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at these pictures. Mm-hmm. Like of him as a young man versus the... The Zodiac. Versus the drawing. Yeah, of the mm-hmm. potential Zodiac killer does look like him. So please, if anyone has also heard about this, this is... It's a bigger... I don't... I know we say this so much, but like we usually don't do cases where there's like huge Paramount series after it and stuff because I just feel like sometimes it can get oversaturated, but this one spoke to me. Yeah. I hadn't really looked into this. I feel like I might have heard it, but I knew a little bit about him from the John Bonet Ramsey stuff. That's oh, like when okay. I first was like, ah. I see. There's the I killed Lacey Peterson, Edward E. And you know, recently we did that thing where we asked people like what were their uh true crime unpopular opinions, and mm-hmm. several people said that they did not think that Scott Peterson killed Lacey Peterson. So maybe they have also read this book or they're up on it. Let us know. I if you also were one of those people agree with that. We should do a whole episode on that like all of the conspiracy theories that would be awesome we should do that because spoiler alert anyone who listens to our instagram i am the one who was talking about the britney spears body swap and I spent probably, this is no exaggeration, two days, probably, I don't know, two two years ago, uh, one of my friends had texted me. She's like, hey, have you ever read about this? And then I fell into the hole. And I did, like, I just laid in bed and I read it and read it. And by the end, I was like, she swapped. It's not the real that, pretty. That's it. I also did that, but with Avril Lavigne. And it was a couple of years ago. So when people were- Maybe at the like same a time. A ton of people sent me the Avril Lavigne thing. And yeah, they were like, it was I Avril too. I'm like, it was for sure i i see it i know it's you melissa it's the teeth and the posture and the voice with britney for me yeah it's weird it's weird stuff but also free britney free her we talked about all weekend that we were gonna do a live and we were gonna talk about britney spears and we just never got time we probably still will soon but we are coming off the busiest week that meg and i have had with work and like life yeah life it was just not a great week so everything's like pushed back a little bit and we're sorry we promise all of it's worth the wait <laughs> and by all of it i mean us because that's all that's really it's worth. just us we're worth it all oh. right guys well thanks for being awesome and thanks for listening and i hope that you like hearing about edward edward <laughs> eddie e. i did thank you so much for listening to gruesome horrific true crime 
We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content, here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome. You can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us, and you get a I-knew-them-before-they-were-famous moment. Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. We'd love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks. If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.